Hey guys, Abel here back with another video and in today's video I thought I would do the reverse of my last video which was about the top 10 most underrated diet foods or foods for staying lean. I thought in this video I would talk about the top 10 or actually just top 8 most overrated diet foods. So whereas in the last video I was talking about foods that I think have a lot of good things going for them and they make dieting a lot easier because they are highly satiating, oftentimes they are highly convenient, easily accessible or very versatile. You can make all kinds of cool dishes out of them. In this case I would be talking about foods which People tend to put into their meal plans a lot when they're trying to lose fat. When someone goes on a diet, that's going to be one of the first like staple items that I tend to see bodybuilders when they are talking about going on a really restrictive diet. Like, okay, so far I was serious as well, but this time I'm really buckling down. So my list is only going to be consisting of these foods. Then often the foods that I'm going to be talking about in this video are going to be on their food list. Whereas I really don't think they should be in many cases. So. That's basically the gist of the video. Now, before I get into the actual list, a couple of things that I want to mention. The first thing is that it's kind of lame that it's only top eight overrated foods and not top 10. It should be a top 10 list, but uh, it's only eight foods that I could think of. So it is what it is. The second thing is just to kind of emphasize what this video is about. So I'm not going to mention things like pizza or ice cream or cheesecake on this list, because obviously those are not great diet foods, but I don't think anybody considers them to be really good diet foods. So I'm only going to be talking about foods that people prize highly, whereas I think they shouldn't be pricing them highly. Another thing that I just want to clarify is that the foods that are on this list are not necessarily bad foods by any means, even for a fat loss diet for that matter. In fact, a lot of them I will have fairly frequently myself when I'm trying to diet, but I think these items and even the good ones are just prized so highly and they are just put on such a high pedestal that, yeah, I think if we consider that reputation, yeah, to that standard, I don't think they live up to. So that's why some of these foods will be on this list, even though I don't think on an objective scale, they are bad foods, even for a fat loss diet. Now, just like in the case of the last video, this time as well, I made a little bit of a ranking system. So I ordered these foods based on a certain criteria. So I just want to go through that really quickly. So in this case, I kind of uh, divided the scoring system into three categories. So we have one category called the justifiability category. At first, I wanted to call it convenience category, but uh, justifiability sounded cooler. So here we have a price, ease of preparation and portability, which should be familiar from my last list on the most underrated foods. So I will give a score to all of these and then I will aggregate them and that will be their total score for the justifiability category. The next category we have is uh, damage potential. So how easy it is to create some damage with these foods if you overeat on them. So we have two factors that we will consider here. The first one is energy density. Obviously, the more energy dense some food is, if you overeat on that food, all things being equal, the bigger the damage will be. And then how tempting is the food? So we have the temptation factor. So here I will order things from one to five. So kind of I thought of this in a way where, okay, so like a five would be something that it's so tempting that I could imagine someone getting out of bed in the middle of the night and just going to the kitchen like a zombie and just binging on that food. Like it's that bad, that tempting. And then a one would be something that it's, well, it's, it's highly unlikely that someone would actually overeat on that. You would have to be really, really messed up to pick that food as your indulgence item. And so the temptation factor will be ranked from minus one to minus five. So these will be negative numbers. So the foods will be penalized for 
this and then the energy density will be ranked from minus one to minus four. And then the last category that we have is satiety. So okay, maybe the food is not so great for a diet as a food choice for any number of reasons, but maybe it's still fairly satiating. You feel full after that and it curbs your appetite for several hours. So in that case, it could still be a not so terrible food choice. And here we divided this into two factors. So we have acute satiety. So as you're eating it acutely, how quickly and how well it actually fills up your stomach. And then we have long-term satiety. So, okay, you ate the food, but now in the hours that are in between meals, how effectively is it going to curb your appetite? So let's say you didn't even realize that you ate that food, but it was just transported into your stomach for how long would you not feel hungry after having that food in your stomach? So we will take these two things and give them an aggregate score once again. And then we will take the whole aggregate of the entire scoring system and that will be their final point count. So I think we clarified everything at this point and with that, Let's jump into the actual list. So the first food on our list is whey protein. Believe it or not, the king of all protein sources, how could that be on this list? Well, there is a reason why it's the last place on our list and this is the least overrated food because I do think it's a fairly good food choice. In many ways, the energy density is not bad at all. In fact, the protein to calorie ratio is amazing in whey protein. It's a high quality protein source. There's a lot of good things that we can say about it. The reason that it still features on a list that is about the most overrated diet foods is because it's just prized so highly. It is rated so highly that I know a lot of people who would rather eat less vegetables on their diet and they would actually replace that with whey protein. I think part of that has to do with this protein obsession that people into fitness tend to develop. They think that the more protein they consume, the better, the more muscle they are going to retain, the more productive their training sessions are going to be. They also tend to have some erroneous ideas about the satiating effects of protein. So they think that the more protein they consume, the more more satiated they're going to be. So they would rather cut down on the volume of their diet and take out vegetables, but add in more whey protein. And I think that is a fairly tragic mistake. So I think for those reasons, whey protein does deserve its place on this list, but I don't think that whey protein is a bad food choice by any means, even on a fat loss diet. Now let's go through the points real quickly. So whey protein for price got a three out of three. Whey protein is one of the cheapest protein sources out there. Of course, a whole tub of protein costs quite a lot, but you know, per scoop, like per serving of protein, it's still fairly cheap, probably cheaper than most things that you will buy in the grocery store, including the cheaper options. Uh, for ease of preparation, three out of three once again. I mean, what do you really need? You just put a scoop into your shaker and there you go. Portability, three out of three once again. I mean, obviously carrying a full shaker with the liquid in it can be a bit risky. If it opens up in your bag, that could be pretty ugly, but you can just put some protein powder into the shaker and no liquid and then just later fill it up with liquid when you want to consume it. So all in all, it scores very, very well on the justifiability or convenience category and it got, gets nine points. Damage potential, I will give it minus one out of minus four. So basically this is the best score that you can get here. The energy density is like 110, 120 calories and at a time you will use like, you know, 30 grams of it or whatever. So very good energy density, basically as good as it gets for most protein sources. And then the temptation factor, how tempting is it to overconsume whey protein? I will give it a minus 1.5. So not quite a minus one, but whey protein is typically not a very tempting thing to overconsume. Like typically you drink it in the form of a shake. 
I think it's not one of the more tempting things to do on your diet to just keep putting scoops of whey protein into your shaker. Now, of course, like you can still overeat it, like you can pour it onto certain things and it gives flavor to that, but for the most part, not the most tempting thing in the world. And then we have satiety. So for acute satiety, how well it fills up your stomach, I will give it a two out of four. So here four was the best score that you could get. It fills up your stomach a little bit, but not too much. Uh, the reason why I wouldn't give it a one out of four is because you can actually create some large drinks out of it, like hot chocolates and hot coffee drinks, and you can mix the whey protein in, and it's really good. And I actually do like to have that on a diet as kind of my first meal, quote unquote. So for that reason, I would give it a two out of four. And then for long-term satiety, I will give it a one out of three. Okay, so this is the worst score that you can get because really in the long term, it's not gonna do jack shit for your satiety. It spikes your blood glucose a little bit, like you will feel full for a very short while. But after that, basically, it's as if you consumed any other type of liquid. So in total, whey protein got 9.5 points, which is not bad at all. And with that, it is the last thing on our list. So the least overrated food and with that we arrive to the next food item on this list which is believe it or not chicken breast now just like whey protein chicken breast is not by any means a bad food choice for a diet but it had to be on this list for the same reason as whey protein which is that people just put it onto such a high pedestal that no like that doesn't make sense at this point once again, I know a lot of people who will readily take out vegetables from their diet to eat more chicken breast. Once again, because they think that the more protein they consume, the better, the more satiated they're gonna be, the better their training sessions are gonna be, the more muscle they are gonna retain and yada yada. And again, it gets to a point where it's no longer rational. Up to that point, I will agree, chicken breast is a great choice of protein. It's high quality protein, very accessible, cheap, a lot of good things that we can say about it. But again, it's just not this magical food item that uh, a lot of people consider it to be. So as far as the scoring system for price, it got a three out of three. Very good. It's one of the cheaper protein sources that you can get. For ease of preparation, two out of three. So not too bad at all. You will have to cook it in some way, but it's very, very quick. You can even toss it in the microwave and it will be done in like five minutes or something. For portability, I will give it a two out of three. So once it's done and ready, you can carry it around, no issue. But again, like it's more complicated to carry it around than some of the other foods on this list. So in total, it will get seven points for the justifiability or convenience category. The damage potential of chicken breast, not a whole lot of bad things we can say here. Energy density is just like whey protein, it will be a one out of four. And then for the temptation factor, it will be a two out of five. Okay, so chicken breast, I would say, is slightly more tempting than whey protein, although you might disagree. Personally, for me, I know that if I have a bunch of chicken breast like fried up or grilled, and I just put some on my plate and then I'm done with the meal and I'm no longer like hungry, hungry, but I would still like to eat something, something tasty, then some nice grilled chicken breast with some nice sauce. Like, yeah, I could easily keep eating that. And I find it a lot less um, easy to move away, let's just put it that way, than say green veggies or something like that. So two out of five, still not too bad. So all in all, minus three points. So three points are going to be deducted from chicken breast. Satiety, acute satiety, I will give it uh, three out of four. So slightly better than whey protein. At the end of the day, you still have to chew it. So like you will still feel more so like you actually ate something compared to whey protein. And then for long-term satiety, I will give it uh, two out of three. Okay, so 
a little bit better than whey protein. It will kind of sit in your stomach for a little bit longer, but it still won't be super amazing. So in total, it will get five points for this category and the aggregate score is nine points. So that was place number seven on our list. And with that, the next thing on our list is olive oil and similar cooking oils. Now, once again, this is a thing that I don't really consider to be much of an issue for the most part. I don't think there's any issue with using some olive oil or any other type of oil for cooking or even putting some olive oil on your salad. But I think a lot of people are just not selective enough with what they are spending their calories on, so to speak. So especially deeper into a diet, when you're pushing harder, the calories are getting a bit harder to come by. I think you have to start becoming a bit more selective with what you're spending those precious calories on. So I don't think at a certain point it's reasonable to spend like hundreds of calories over the course of the day on something that is really not going to add much to your eating experience and to your overall satiety except for making the food taste like marginally better. Like sure, if you have a salad with a bunch of veggies and some lean meat, if you put some olive oil on it, yeah, it's going to improve the mouthfeel of the salad, it's going to make it taste a bit better. Wouldn't it be better to spend those calories for those two tablespoons of olive oil that you're using for the cooking and then for your salad on something that you can actually chew and experience a bit more than that oil, which is really just going to enhance the flavor of the meal somewhat? I think personally that it would be preferable. And of course, there are degrees to this. So if you're using like a teaspoon of oil for cooking, like, okay, like that's really not that big of a deal. But I know some people who will spend, I don't know, like 600 calories a day on just cooking oils when they are on, I don't know, like a 2200 calorie diet. I think you could spend those calories a lot more wisely. So yeah, that's why olive oil and similar cooking oils will have to be on this list, but they are not too bad. They are only at the sixth place. So uh, quickly the score, so for price, it will get a three out of three. I mean, olive oil can be somewhat pricey, but I mean, it will last you for so long that it's really not too bad. Ease of preparation, three out of three. I mean, really, like you just do this and you're using the oil at that point. Uh, portability, I mean, two out of three. I mean, I guess you can carry olive oil around, but I mean, it's kind of weird, but I guess you could do it. So in total, eight points, not too bad. Damage potential, uh, the energy density will be uh, minus four out of minus four. So it is very, very energy dense. But then the temptation factor, so how tempting the food is, it will be minus one out of minus five. So, I mean, it's really not tempting at all to overeat on olive oil. Maybe you will get tempted to put a bit more on your salad or use a bit more for cooking than what would be perhaps reasonable. But other than that, like you're not gonna go to the pantry, take out the olive oil bottle and just pour it into your mouth, right? So it won't be too bad here. And then satiety, for acute satiety, it will get 1.5. So I mean, it's really not very satiating acutely at all, because like I said, you don't even notice that it's there. If anything, maybe it should get like a negative point for this because it's just making the food more palatable. So you just wanna eat more of it. So it's not good in the short term, but in the long term, it could actually be very filling because it's fat at the end of the day, which is going to be in your system, which is going to keep you fuller in between meals. So for this, it will get a three out of three. And then the total score for olive oil or any similar oil is 7.5. The next thing on our list is oatmeal, which I think once again is a decent food choice, but I think it's highly overrated because I think people tend to eat at least as much oatmeal on their diet, if not more, a lot more in some cases, than fruits. 
Whereas if we actually look at the energy density and how much volume of it you could have, then fruits beat oatmeal like it's no contest, like it's not even close. So for those reasons, oatmeal has to be on this list. I would say that oatmeal is sort of the best grain choice, if you will, not just because oatmeal tends to cause a lot less gut problems and digestive issues than other grain products do often, but also because I think it's the most filling, generally speaking. It's fairly high fiber and the volume of it is really not that bad. I mean, it's super energy dense, uh, as I'm going to be talking about shortly, as all grain products are, which is why I think that grain products for the most part are overrated. And I think people consume far too much of them and not nearly enough veggies and fruits. Uh, but besides that, oatmeal is pretty good. So once you actually add water to the raw oatmeal product, then the volume is going to increase quite a bit. I mean, generally speaking, you will be able to add two units of water for one unit of oatmeal. So let's say you're using 30 grams of raw oatmeal, then you will be able to add like 60 grams or 60 milliliters of water to that at least. And so then the actual oatmeal will also swell up a little bit. So the volume will expand even beyond what it would normally be. So it's actually not that bad. And then it, it can actually be fairly satiating, especially if you're not buying one of those flavored oatmeal products with little pieces of nuts and chocolate in it or something, but it's actually flavorless. And especially if you don't consume it as a dessert, but you're eating it with a salty meal, then actually it can be fairly filling. So I don't think oatmeal is really bad at all, but I kind of already elaborated on why it is still on this list, deservedly so. As far as the points go, the price of oatmeal, I will give it a two out of three. So it is slightly more expensive than some of the other simpler grain products, which I'm going to mention shortly. Uh, ease of preparation, two out of three. So you can get it done really, really quickly. I mean, there are many easy ways to prepare oatmeal. It's really not that bad. Portability, it's um, one out of three, okay? I mean, you can carry around the bag of oats and that's no issue at all. But if you actually want to prepare your oatmeal at home and take it to the office or something, it, it's going to be a bit annoying. The damage potential of oatmeal. Now here I had to make a strong effort to separate this from my own personal experience. Because if you ask me like how tempting is it to overeat on oatmeal? I mean, at times it can be really bad. Like I, I, could, I could easily get super fat just by eating too much oatmeal. But I know not everybody is like me, but uh, regardless, the energy density is a two out of four. So it is fairly high calorie. It's going to be somewhere between 350 and 400 calories per 100 grams. I guess it just depends on what type of oatmeal you buy. And then for the temptation factor, I will give it a two out of five. So I would say it can be fairly tempting at times, but it is definitely not that bad as some of the other more refined grain products. And I mean, it still has fiber and whatever. So even if you start overeating on it, like there will be at least some sort of negative feedback loop because you will just start feeling super bloated and things like that. So all of these are negative numbers, of course, as I mentioned. So in total, oatmeal will get minus four points, which is not too bad. And then satiety, I will give it uh, four points. So it's pretty good, actually. Like it will fill up your stomach. The fiber will help with that. The high water content will help with that. So pretty good. Long-term satiety, I will give it um, two out of three. Okay, so it's, it's not amazing. Definitely could be better, but still that fiber is going to sit in your stomach, but on its own, it's not going to keep you super full for super, super long. So in total, oatmeal will get six points for this. And then the aggregate score is seven points. Not too shabby. 
uh, let's go to the next place on our list, which is going to be one of my pet peeves, and that is uh, rice cakes. Now, again, I mean, I guess I could say some nice things about rice cakes, but I won't. But uh, regardless, I think it is just highly, highly overrated uh, as a convenience food option here and there. There's nothing wrong with that, even on a diet. But I mean, it, it tends to be a staple. And people talk about rice cakes as if it was like broccoli or something like that. They were, yeah, when the going gets really hard and you're really pushing hard, that's when you take the rice cakes out of the pantry. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like rice cakes, which are like mini calorie bombs. I understand that it's not as tempting to overeat on them as like candy or something like that. But still, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's still fairly energy dense. You know, a little piece, you will have like, I don't know, 50 calories or something crazy. So like, come on, rice cakes definitely deserve their place on this list. So let's go through the points real quickly. Uh, for the price, it will get uh, two out of three. So, I mean, it's still gonna be really cheap, don't get me wrong, but some of the other grain products are gonna be cheaper and something like olive oil, if you consider how long this is gonna last, is definitely gonna be cheaper. The ease of preparation, obviously three out of three. I mean, you just take it and you eat it. There is no preparation needed. Portability, again, a perfect score, no questions there. So eight points in total here, pretty good. Damage potential, energy density, just like oatmeal, I will give it a two out of four. So basically it's the exact same energy density as what oatmeal has. And then how tempting is it? I will give it a minus three out of minus five. So I would say it's slightly more tempting than oatmeal, not because it's that super tasty, it's because it's just a very, very convenient snack food. So if you're sitting in front of the TV and you're dieting and it's the evening time and you have all the time in the world to think about how hungry you are and how nice it would be to have some extra snacks and you know that there is rice cakes in your pantry, I think it would be pretty tempting to go and just grab a few and eat those in front of the television. So for that reason, it will get penalized a bit more than oatmeal. So in total, minus five points for this. And then for satiety, um, acute satiety, I will give it a two out of four. So not very satiating at all, but still at least you're chewing on something. It will get into your stomach and you will feel that you ate something. But in general, anything that is very light in texture, like rice cakes or like popcorn and is crunchy, is going to have that kind of effect where you just want to keep eating it and you tend to not notice those satiety signals quite as much. The crunchiness is actually a weird aspect of palatability uh, by itself. The long-term satiety, it will have to be a one out of three. I mean, it's really not satiating at all. Like it's going to sit in your stomach for a little short while, but it's very easily digestible and it's gonna go through you very quickly. Uh, so the total score for rice cakes is six points. Okay, and with that, we arrive to the next food item on our list, and this is actually the mother or the father of rice cakes, which is rice. And you know what, guys? I'm not even going to go through this in detail because honestly, it's the exact same story as rice cakes. I could just repeat everything that I said about rice cakes, and the same things apply to rice as well. In some aspects, it's not as good, so you will have to cook this, whereas rice cakes you don't. Carrying it around is definitely not as convenient, so in those aspects, it would be worse. On the other hand, it's not as tempting to overeat on this because you will have to cook it and it's not as crunchy, so in some aspects it's better, but it's very, very similar. All in all, it got four points and then rice cakes got six points. All in all, it's very similar, on this list, it actually finished slightly worse than rice cakes. The next thing on our list, and now we are slowly arriving to the worst offenders here are nuts, okay? And it, it could be anything, almonds, cashews, macadamia nuts, walnuts, I don't care, any type of oily nuts. 
and for some mysterious reason, people tend to look at this as a dieting staple, or at least it was the case not that long ago. Maybe it's changing. I don't know, but I can't even tell you how many times I heard a bodybuilder say something like, yeah, man, the diet was really hard. I mean, all I ate was like brown rice, chicken breast, broccoli, and some nuts. And it's like, really nuts? Like you couldn't come up with anything better, something that would actually satiate you, something that doesn't make you feel like I just want to chuck down like five more handfuls of it, which would be, I don't know, like 2000 more calories or something crazy. I mean, nuts are calorie bombs, okay? It's a really convenient food. There are a lot of good things we can say about it. So you just buy it, you can take it with you to the office. If you're going on a hike and you need something very energy dense, then nuts are great. But when you're cutting calories and you're really looking for satiating foods that will keep you full and also acutely satiate you, I mean, nuts are just horrifically terrible. Again, as a fat source, something that you would consume, I don't know, in the office once again, so you want to have a complete meal with enough fat in it, then nuts would actually not be a bad option, especially because in the office you would be a lot less likely to binge on something. But to have that as a main dieting staple and especially to spend like hundreds and hundreds of calories on it a day, I think it's pretty crazy, especially if you're not following a keto diet or something like that where you would eat super high fat foods, in that case, maybe we could have a discussion about it. So anyway, price of nuts, it will be a two out of three. So they tend to be slightly more expensive. I guess it depends on where you buy them, but especially if you buy them raw in whole form and not roasted, they will be more expensive than the other foods on our list. Then ease of preparation, perfect score, obviously. Portability, perfect score, once again, obviously. Damage potential, energy density, minus four. Okay, like super energy dense, like 600 plus calories in almost all cases. Actually, I think there is some research that shows that nuts are actually not as energy dense as what is said on the label. And that is because the actual absorbable energy from nuts is less because they are just harder to digest. Honestly, I didn't look into it in detail because honestly, I just don't care about nuts. Like they can go fuck themselves. Temptation factor, how tempting is it to overeat on them? I will give it minus four. They are really, really tempting to overeat on. Maybe you don't find that to be the case because of what you're doing currently. When you're dieting, the last thing that you want around is something nice, crunchy, with a nice mouthfeel. Yeah, like nuts. Um, I binged on nuts a bunch of times in my life. And in this case, I can just say it very comfortably because I know at least, I don't know, 25 people who have done the same. Okay, so yeah. So all in all, they are getting minus eight points. So they will get quite heavily penalized, deservedly so. Satiety, for acute satiety, I will give it one point. Okay, so four would be the best. One is the worst and they will get one. And it's because, I mean, in the short term, as you're eating nuts, especially if you're dieting and you're already hungry and a bit more food focused, they are just making you more hungry or hungrier, okay? Like they're really not making you acutely fuller. Terrible satiety index in the short term, at least. You're just crunching on those nice nuts and you just want to eat more of them. So definitely not good. And then long-term satiety, I will give it uh, three points. Okay, so not too bad at all. It's a fat source and it will definitely sit in your stomach for quite a while. So not bad. So if I had to be on a very, very long meeting or I don't know, I would be traveling and I would need something to sustain me for a very long time, this would not be a bad option in that case. So in total for satiety, it will get four points and then the total score for nuts is going to be three, which was actually my first favorite number when I was a kid. Don't ask me why. Well, I actually know why, but I won't tell you that. And then the next thing on our list, definitely the worst offender at all. 
is nut butters, okay? Peanut butter, almond butter, cashew nut butter, whatever kind of nut butter. The reason why nut butters have to be the absolute winner on this list, the negative winner on this list, is because unlike in the case of nuts, where I'm not really sure like how overrated it really is, so I'm not really sure how much people prize nuts as a dieting food, in the case of peanut butter and nut butters in general, I mean, it's rare that I don't hear some bodybuilder mention it as a dieting staple. It's like, yeah, my, my hardcore bodybuilding contest prep foods, it's chicken breast, broccoli, brown rice, and, and peanut butter. And it's like, really? Like, like that is the staple? Like, why? Like, seriously, why? I, I, I just seriously don't understand. I mean, it would be a perfect like weight gainer food or like a mega dirty bulking food if I was to help someone to prepare for a strongman competition. And I don't know, the person is like 200 pounds now and has to be 400 pounds as quickly as possible. Peanut butter would be on their diet plan for sure. I mean, it is just that potent. Like peanut butter and nut butters are just that potent at making it possible to overeat in a very, very convenient manner. But yet it's somehow a dieting staple. And like, it's, um, it's really hard for me to put a finger on this, but anyway, I, I won't get a stroke for you on camera just because of this. So let's just go through the points really quickly. So the price of nut butters, um, slightly better than that of nuts. So it will get uh, two points. The ease of preparation, perfect score, obviously. The portability, perfect score, obviously. I actually had a friend from America when I was living in New Zealand who was carrying around these big tubs of peanut butter everywhere. We even went to some potluck dinners and his uh, foods that he brought were some apples and peanut butter, which was kind of cool, I thought. Damage potential, this is where things are gonna get pretty ugly. So the energy density is gonna be minus four, so it is super energy dense. And then the temptation factor, how tempting is it to overeat on it? It has to be minus five. I mean, it, it is as bad as it gets. I mean, I've heard tons of stories of people breaking down on, on their diet and just going to the pantry and just devouring uh, like tubs of peanut butter. I think uh, Jacob Skepas, when he was on my podcast, he mentioned that on one of his bodybuilding shows, his brother had to like rip the peanut butter tub out of his hands because he was just like devouring the whole thing during his contest prep. So yeah, things can get really ugly with this sort of thing. Then for satiety, for acute satiety, I will give a 0.5 to nut butters. I was very tempted to just give a zero, but to be fair, as you're putting down the first spoonfuls, like you will kind of feel like you're getting fuller. Like it definitely kind of like sticks to your stomach very acutely and you kind of feel like suffocating in the short term, but then very quickly you realize that that suffocation or that suffocating feeling is actually pretty good. So you just keep eating. So pretty bad on the whole. And then long-term satiety, it will get a three. Okay, so once again, high fat food, it will definitely sit in your stomach. So to keep you full in between meals, it's pretty good. But because it's so poor as far as the acute satiety is concerned, I would definitely not recommend that as a dieting staple. Uh, you know, not by a long shot. So that will have to be the winner or the biggest loser on this list. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I said enough about my butters, not a big fan, but yeah, basically this is the list that I put together. And um, honestly, I could not think of more foods, but probably there are some that are highly overrated. If you can think of something more, then please mention it in the comment section. This is what I could think of for now. So with that, now we went through the most underrated foods and also the most overrated foods for dieting. And obviously I do recommend that you pick more so from the underrated foods. And um, I'm not saying that you have to avoid these things and certainly like something like chicken breast, whey protein, 
oatmeal and olive oil and things like that. I mean, there is no issue whatsoever with having them on your diet. I would just not recommend you to get like overzealous about them. Don't put them to such a high pedestal. And also think about the foods that I mentioned on the underrated list. So, you know, carrots, fruits, veggies, potatoes, I think they are at least as good as these least overrated foods on this overrated food list if not much better in some cases, which I think in many cases they actually are. So with that, basically, I'm going to conclude this video. I hope you enjoyed this. And I was actually even thinking about more top 10 lists like this. So I was thinking about um, talking about the most overrated exercises or most underrated exercises. And I could come up with some really fun scoring system for those as well. I think it could be fun, but let me know if you're interested in a video like that. If you are, then I will definitely make it. It would definitely be fun for me. This was a lot of fun to at least put together this list. And certainly coming up with the scoring criteria, it can be a lot of fun. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this video like it or dislike it, uh, depending on what you thought. Subscribe for more content like this. Drop your comments down there. So I want to know what your list would be. What are your biggest like culprit foods during dieting from the foods that are typically viewed as good dieting foods? I would be curious to hear it. And otherwise, I will thank you for your attention for today and I will see you in the next video.